Happy New Year and welcome to the United Podcast, the first podcast of 2023. Happy New Year to all of our listeners out there and happy to you. Happy New Year rather to you, Tom. Uh, United definitely did start the year with a bang. We started in 2022. By full time, it was a new year and United are undefeated to start 2023. The way it should be. Um, I think it was a bit of a throwback to sort of an old fashioned sort of Premier League game. I think we'll sort of maybe be a bit sort of critical on one or two aspects of the performance. But in regards to the, ultimately what we sort of watch football for, a little bit of enjoyment, a little bit of escape from reality. It was a throwback to why you sort of love it. It was intense. There was tackles flying in. It was end-to-end. There was a little bit of drama here or there. And ultimately, um, you can leave the match with a smile on your face because United did get the three points. And I'm sure we'll have a little bit of a look at the table and a top four isn't where we aspire to be, but ultimately where we have been in the past. Um, it is good to start the season on the front foot and be where we currently want to be. That is in the top four. So um, good start to the season. Good start to the year, I should say. Absolutely. And what we will cover in this, get ready, because we're going to analyse the match. What went well? What went wrong? Where does United go from here? We're now in the top four for the first time, I think, this season, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. So can we stay there? What do we need to stay in the top four? And Eric Ten Hag definitely setting the tone in the dressing room. We will rip in to all of that. But let's start on that note, actually. Tom, starting 11 comes out against Wolves. Um, a noted absentee, Marcus Rashford, Dropped to the bench. Uh, we've now seen post-match that it was due to him sleeping in, having a bit of a snooze. I'm jealous. I have a bit of insomnia. Rashford, if you have any sleeping tips, please let me know. But what did you make of the move from Ten Hag's on that front? And what did you think of his man management in this instance? Was it the right call? Who was it the right call? Marcus Rashford comes on and scores a winner. Of course, it's the right call. Ultimately, when the news breaks through and we sort of say, okay, Ten Hag has said it's a discipline issue, you think, okay, that's good. We're not sure what the discipline issue was at the time, with it, regardless of what it is. If Eric Ten Hag's not happy with something, regardless of the player, regardless of the form, he's set in standards, he's putting his marker down. So without all the information, we're very pleased as a fan base, I assume. Myself personally was over the moon, and that maybe that's a little bit harsh, harsh on Rashford because it could have been a shit reason. Ultimately, it is sort of proven to be the right decision by Eric Ten Hag. But yeah, I, I thought it was... It was just not refreshing to see, but I guess the word is refreshing. I think it was refreshing to see, even without the information. I think, okay, Eric Ten Hag is putting his foot down. We've seen what Harry Maguire has been dropped. We've seen Ronaldo has been kicked out of the club. And ultimately, Marcus Rashford is almost the next biggest name at the club. And to see uh, Eric Ten Hag has taken no prisoners, I thought that was good to see. But then you come back to the man management side of things. He brings him on halftime and he performs and scores the goal, gets the winner, and he gets a hug off the boss at the end of the match. So I think it's ultimately the right thing. You missed a team meeting or was a little bit late for a team meeting. You don't play. But ultimately, I also look at it and think Eric Ten Hag kind of, it's almost played in his favour. Marcus Rashford can't play every game. He can't start every game. Maybe this was just one of the games he wasn't going to, maybe he wasn't sort of scheduled to be on the bench. But it's one of the games, okay, this is a game you can just sort of be on the bench for a little bit and come on. Now you can start next week against Bournemouth or Everton. So it is part of that rotation as well. But it's maybe a bit of a, a handy and a bit of a convenient punishment for um, Eric Ten Hag to hand out. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point you make there. Um, it, it will suit United, I would think, because Marcus Rashford, the, the whole front three, really, that there's a genuine lack of depth. Um, I mean, considering the start of the season, because you have to remember, Jaden Sancho isn't available at the moment. There are some reports suggesting he's back at Carrington, but still training uh, by himself, still not integrated back into the squad, so which is quite interesting. And uh, outside of that, you've got Ganacho, who we will get into in a moment. Anthony's not firing. So there's a real lack of depth in the wide areas um, in terms of quality at the moment and, and quantity if you're looking up front um, as well. But 
Talking on Ganacho, uh, he started in replace of Rashford. A, not a good opportunity for him to start. I think his second Premier League start, Ganacho. Um, and I thought the Argentine international could have done a little bit better. Uh, looked lively, Tom, but didn't quite take his chance, did he? He had a great opportunity to open the scoring, but um, the goalkeeper gets the better of him. Yeah, look, in regards to the performance, yes, a little bit off the pace, but as a young player on some games, he's looked on the pace and he's won the game for us on occasion. So it's one of those things he's sort of going to have to deal with and accept as a fan. In terms of Sundays, he's going to be off the pace. This is the first time in a while he sort of looked, and it's not a criticism of him, it's kind of a fact, but it's um, the first time in a while he looked like a kid playing in a senior game of football. He just looked a little bit sort of Wolves obviously up for it. It was quite a physical team, so... Ganacho struggled with that, something that he'll adapt and he'll learn from. But um, in regards to the chance, that's the one that stands out. Um, yeah, should have taken. Ultimately, a very good save by the goalkeeper. Fair play to him. I thought it was one of the ones he should have taken it round him. Very easy for me sitting on the couch with a beer on the other side of the world to say, I'll take it round him. I think that should have been the right decision by Ganacho. So ultimately, but on the other side of the wing, Anthony also didn't take his chances. So um, both, I think, were culpable. I thought Ganacho, Anthony maybe provided a little bit more quality at times in the build-up play. And Ganacho unfortunately struggled a little bit, but that's one game he struggled. I think he has performed well every other game, so nothing to sort of write home about in regards to concerns in regards to Ganacho. But um, yeah, a little bit off the pace, rightly not rightly hooked at halftime, but the correct decision to to um, change things up by Eric Ten Hag and ultimately proved the right decision because the substitute comes on in Marcus Rashford and um, did exactly the opposite. I, I think he, he looked like a man. He looked like the best player on the pitch. It wasn't yeah. a surprise when he scored a goal. We thought, okay, yeah, he's going to score the winner here at some stage. I thought that was um, credit to Eric Ten Hag and Marcus Rashford himself. Let's talk about those who came on and made an impact in the game. Obviously, United go on to win 1-0. And and has to be said, Wolves is a difficult game for Manchester United if we think in recent time. I can't go back since 2019, in fact, since they returned to the Premier League. I can't actually think of many times where we've gotten the victory. I, I know we have, but it's always I know a we won one nil last one nil. I mentioned the name, but I remember just before Ronaldo's arrival um, this time, or at the start of Ronaldo's arrival, we did win one nil there. I think we it was did, Rafael debut. But it's but never uh, easy, is it? Yeah. It's always a difficult game. Oh yeah, it's a nightmare. I'm sure we're going to get them in the League Cup semi-final. We'll have two legs against them. Molyneux almost <laughs> that second home, so it is good to get over. But that's right. We do look at the performance, and as I said, it was a bit of a throwback to old school football. It was intense. The crowd was up for it. Obviously, Wolves and Manchester. That's Wolves' biggest game of the season. I'm sure they get a little bit of a crowd for Aston Villa. But do they really care when Manchester City or Chelsea stroll in into town? Probably not. It's obviously their biggest game of the season. So the crowd was up for it. The players were up for it. They obviously got that new manager bounce. And, um, yeah, they met Manchester United, the backs against the wall. They, they had a lot to deal with in regards to the way the game played out. And ultimately, that's one where, yeah, maybe two seasons ago at Wolves, we would have caved and lost 2-1 to a Ruben Neves free kick or something. But ultimately, Eric Ten Hag has instilled a little bit of belief and sort of a feel-good factor at the club at the moment, and we're able to see it through. So, um, yeah, tough, tough day at the office, but a successful one. Absolutely. Um, talking about those who did have a positive impact to lead United to the victory, Fred. Comes on, a uh, really positive game. He looks really good. He comes on for Ericsson, and I've got to be honest, Tom, whenever I see the Brazilian suiting up to come onto the pitch, I do roll my eyes a little bit. My shoulders slouch. I do get a little bit disappointed and disheartened. But he had a positive impact in this game. He, he provided much-needed energy, which is probably what we needed against Wolves who are looking to frustrate and basically stop it from becoming any sort of game of football. And, and credit to Julian Lopetegui there. It, I think... Coming in as a new manager to a side low in confidence, keeping clean sheets is probably the most important part because they're not they don't have a lot of goals in them. But Fred, positive impact. 
comes down to that word you said there, energy. It, it, what the game need? Like, who's a better footballer, Christian Eriksen or Fred? Who's going to provide the team a better platform to go and score goals, Eriksen or Fred? Obviously, it's Christian Eriksen. The game didn't require that. While we did require a goal, we needed different attributes in there. So Eric Ten Hag it was the right sub. I'm the same. When you see Fred coming off Eriksen, you think, oh, God, what's happening here? But ultimately, Eric Ten Hag knows, has a far better feel for the game than us and obviously saw that we did need that energy. We did need that bite. Because it could have gone either, either way. I think we will deserve it winners, and I think we deserve to win the match 1-0. If Wolves 1-0, I could say, yeah, ultimately they deserve to win 1-0. So I think the game needed that little bit of bite, a little bit of energy. And um, Fred provided that. So, one, you have to give him credit for it. But ultimately, if I'm the manager and I was on the bench, I don't know if I would have made that sub. I would have kept the better footballer and Christian Eriksen on. So ultimately, I have to give a lot of credit to the manager. Absolutely. Um, Rashford, Tom, uh, again, comes on, wins the game. And... Let's talk about the goal a little bit. Uh, I think you and I have come on here and, and the criticism of Rashford has been, it's always a, a debate and we'll probably be debating this until the day he leaves Manchester United. Does he have the potential to be a world-class player, to break into that bracket and, and really kick on in his career? He's now got, I think he's scored in three consecutive games now. Um, he comes on and what I liked about this goal, technical ability. It wasn't a run in behind with space and whether he can keep his composure to shoot. He actually technically he dribbled past people and he held off two strong men and it just showed the development in his game. This is a guy playing with a lot of confidence. Yeah, look, I don't think look, I know where you're coming from. I don't think it's the time for is he world class or can he be world class discussion, but I think it was just a composure thing. I think when the ball came on the left, I was sitting here on the side of him. He's gonna score here, or, or I could see his goal coming here. And it was sometimes, yeah, he always has the ability to maybe put it through a player's legs and sort of cut in and put it in the top corner. Obviously, he has that ability. That might, might be one time out of 10. This time, every time we got the ball in this 45 minutes against Wolves, okay, something's going to happen here. He just had that confidence. And that comes with confidence. As I say, he's in very good form. It's off the back of a good World Cup on an individual level. Eric Ten Hag is showing faith in him, besides obviously punishing him in regards to being late. But there is a confidence there. And, and when he came in, it was a great finish. Obviously, nice little ball into Bruno. I think it was a bit of a one-two. Bruno finds him back. And then, obviously, that composure not to snatch at the chance, to sort of take a touch, to go past the defender, to ride the challenge. And um, obviously, a very good show of strength. Um, it, was, it was great to see in slow motion and sort of push the defender off. I think that would be interesting. We're sitting there having a discussion with a few people last night. We're sitting there saying, what strength? Am I? And I'm on this side of the fence, but what strength my Marcus Rashford push him off? And what a fantastic goal. If that's Rafael Varane or Harry Maguire at the other end, we're probably saying, oh, a bit weak defending there. He shouldn't be pushed off the ball. So are we saying it's weak by the Wolves defender or strong by Marcus Rashford? I'm going to go strong by Marcus Rashford. But it's interesting how we do see those things. But ultimately, um, you can't complain. It was brilliant by Marcus Rashford. What I would say on that, and that's a very valid point, I think the key of defenders is to shut down the space. I think that where Wolves kind of got done there is they had the space for Rashford to run into. I mean, at the end of the day, if, if a player, particularly someone who's quite pacey like Rashford is, there's a lot of power there. Even if you can bench more than him in the gym, when someone's exploding onto the ball like that at that speed, you're going to struggle to hold them off, whether that's Rashford, Mo Salah. And we've got these types of players in the Premier League. Um, Highland, obviously, a big physical Always saw him down in Melbourne. Marcus Rashford, you might not look on the table. He's big. He's a big, he's guy. big guy. And I'm just saying, well, yeah, when he gets moving, yeah, the power is one well, of his He's nearly six foot tall. He's, you know, very lean. So he's definitely, he can be an absolute handful when he's playing the way he is at the moment. Um, Tom, Luke Shaw, as centre-back. Now, Ten Hag came out in the last match against Nottingham Forest and suggested Harry Maguire wasn't starting due to illness. 
But we've seen Shaw once again deputized at centre-back and putting in really good performance, it has to be said. Maguire comes on in the 97th minute. Is Harry Maguire ill or is Ten Hag pulling wool over everyone's eyes? Outside on the... Look, Luke Shaw deserved to keep his place. Outside on the um, side of the fence that Eric Ten Hag was telling the truth in regards to the first game where Harry Maguire came back that he was ill and Luke Shaw played, I think Harry Maguire would have played. However... We've seen this with Scott McTominay and Casemiro. Casemiro's fit and ready to go. Scott McTominay was playing well, so he played. Luke Shaw played in the expense of Harry Maguire. Luke Shaw played well. How could you drop him? So ultimately, I come like, yes, is Harry Maguire ill? Does he want to play Luke Shaw? Does he want to drop Maguire? That's all the discussion. But ultimately, I think it's very black and white and quite simple. Luke Shaw and Varane played very well together. They keep their spot. Now Luke Shaw might have a bad game at some stage, or Malassia might have a bad game. That might change things on the left-hand side. And Maguire obviously got Martinez to come back as well. So... Yes, there could be, a, I don't want to say sinister, but there could be an underlying factor that, okay, he's preferring a player over Maguire, and that very well could be the case. But the way I'm looking, I know I just think it was a good performance by Luke Shaw and Varane against Nottingham Forest. They keep their spot, and rightly so. I think Eric Ten Hag has shown that um, previously. Do you expect Maguire to leave in January with this sort of thing happening? We also have to remember Victor Lindelof also was yeah. fit and didn't play. Um, I said so in our, our one of those review. two, surely. Our year review uh, on the last podcast we did with a few guys um, from Man Cave United, Football Capital, and it's a football thing. If you haven't checked it, go back and have a look at the year in review. But um, I said my bold prediction for 2023 was um, I can just see a situation where Harry Maguire leaves. Not in January. I don't think that um, occurs. Who knows? I don't I think, think that possible. occurs. Uh, look, he's not possible. playing. He's not, yeah, he's not playing. I think he will play. There's a lot of games. Um, obviously, we've got the Europa League coming up, the League Cup, FA Cup. So I think he will get his games. Uh, Lindelof's an interesting one. But, um, yeah, the future of Harry Maguire definitely is in doubt. Uh, I think short-term he'll stay. But um, you look towards the summer transfer window and the numbers we have at the centre-back, there is a very real possibility um, his days are numbered. Yeah, it will be interesting and one to absolutely watch. Donny van der Beek, Tom, he, he keeps getting opportunities to play despite underwhelming time and time again. Is Ten Hag on the other side showing a little bit of love for Donny? Do you think it's – is he showing a bit of patience and hoping Donny comes good? Is, is it a case of I'm relying on you to really kick on or, or do you think he's actually putting him in the shopping window a little bit? Yeah, it's been interesting the last two games in terms of putting him on. And, okay, this one was 10 minutes, but obviously a very tight game to be throwing him on. It wasn't like the Harry, well, Harry Maguire came on for a specific reason in that to sort of defend corners, but Donny van der Beek came on in a relatively tight situation. And against Nottingham Forest, I think had half an hour as well. So it gave quite a sort of substitution. It wasn't like the Solskjaer one where he puts him on in the 94th minute when the game was over. So he's showing a little – I don't know if it's showing faith or giving him an opportunity to impress, or maybe a little bit of both. But it is interesting. Obviously, performed quite well against Forrest when he came on. I can't remember too many instincts in in this um, instance in the Wolves match in regards to where Donny van der Beek did well or did poor. I think it was just one of those ones. But um, obviously got the job done. But, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think I'm almost, and I hate this because I do like Donny van der Beek, but I almost have the same feeling as well as you when um, you see Fred getting stripped ready to come in. Oh, God, what's this about? When Donny van der Beek was there, I was like, Oh, God, could we see Kobe, Kobe Maynou come on? Now, ultimately, that would be a huge call by Eric Ten Hag and probably the, right, the, probably the incorrect call to put Kobe Maynou on in that stage. But just my selfishness as a fan, I think the future is away from Donny van der Beek and I think the potential future for Kobe Maynou. So that's my selfish sort of nature as a fan. But ultimately, we won 1-0, so it was the right, de- right decision by Eric Ten Hag. What it means for Donny van der Beek's future, look, who knows? Um, he's getting minutes, though, so his future does look brighter than it did a couple of weeks ago. And you can say that of a few players. I thought Aaron Wan-Bissaka had another very good game. And ultimately, 
that could change things. I might have a chat, um, might do a video in a couple of weeks in terms of looking at the Aaron Wan-Bissaka situation, Manchester United having no money. I think he's played himself into staying at Manchester United. Yeah, potentially. I think long-term with Wan-Bissaka, I don't think he'll be at United. Um, but if he's a, an option till the end of the season... Yeah, I, think well, I just think in my mind a couple of weeks ago, I had him guaranteed leaving in January. Yeah. And now ultimately, I think he's almost confirmed he's going to stay. Well, I think you and I had that reflection after the Burnley game, didn't we? We said, oh, well, promising performance, but Twitter and typical Twitter fashion, you're either your starting 11 player or your absolute trash. There's no in-between. And I think you and I had the chat offline and we said, uh, look, he's played well here, but his future ultimately is away from Old Trafford. But, I mean, he's playing well at the moment. But, but why Why I think he will, and who knows, things could change. He might put in a disaster against Bournemouth and score two own goals, like that Leicester defender, for God's sake. But what I think will play in his favour is what Eric Ten Hag has shown. If McTominay's playing well over Casemiro, McTominay will play. If Luke Shaw is playing well, Maguire will be on the bench. At the moment, Wan-Bissaka is playing well. Diego Delo hasn't played for United for two months. So Diego Delo doesn't... Diego Delo? Is this just the case? He might have been on the bench. Uh, Maybe someone in the comments can correct us. I think he might have been on the bench, but I think he's back and ready to play. But Wan-Bissaka is is not first-choice right-back, but um, rightfully um, keeping Delo out of the team for for the time being. Um, He's performing. Uh, this might be just my own observation. I actually think we look more dangerous when Wambasaka plays at right back, which is interesting because I think if you look at who's the better footballer, it's obviously Deleuze. I, I feel I don't know whether that's a, a, a coaching instruction or whether Wambasaka is just more daring. But do, do you find that Wambasaka tends to be a bit more adventurous in terms of going forward? I wouldn't say so. No, uh, look, it, it's hard. We've all had the discussion since both both right backs have been at the club in regards to who's better on Delo the ball. Delo wasn't on the bench. It was uh, Brendan Williams. Okay, Brendan Williams is there. I know Delo's back in Manchester. I'm not sure of the his issue with that hamstring um, situation. Wambasaka. Look, we've had that discussion so often with Delo and Wambasaka in regards to who's better on the ball. Obviously, it's Delo, but if you look at the stats, well, maybe it's Wambasaka in terms. Wambasaka, of interestingly, uh, is a better dribbler when you look at the metrics. He he tends to beat players better in one on one. But, but then you can also, which I, which I wouldn't disagree if you do have the stats there. Um, I definitely wouldn't disagree. But then the argument in regards to the eye test, where's he dribbling to? Diago Delo might sort of find himself in a better position, which will benefit the team in two or three steps down the line, where wan yeah. steps maybe sort of, he might make the right pass, but it's the wrong pass for the future progression of the team. So that's it, the it's, thing. It's that's the thing. And that's a really good observation, Tom, because I was particularly in the first half, I was really watching Wambasaka closely in terms of what's he doing with the ball. And uh, what, what I saw was his actual ball control looks a lot better. But I think in his mind, he's thinking, oh, all right. I don't know what's around me. Oh, I, can, I can see the center back. I'm going to pass the ball back to the center back. Whereas I think D- Diogo's, because he's got such so much superior in terms of technical ability, Diogo can react to what the defender is doing around him and he can dribble past or shield the ball. Wambasaka doesn't have that capability. I think he's, he's he's got his touch right, but now it's a case of, oh, i got the ball, I'm going to pass it back. He'll always take the safe option. Before we move on, I just want to throw a question to you. The other side of things, left back. My substitution at halftime, and this wasn't me sort of clamoring for Harry Maguire to come on the field, but I was saying put Luke Shaw back on left. I thought Molassi was struggling. I agree. I think he is. And he, he's been struggling for a little while, if I'm being honest. I, I think he started brightly uh, when he initially came in for sure. But ever since, he looks a bit off the pace. I, I think he's. I think he needs to work on his positioning because I, I. it looks like to me Molassi doesn't seem to be really fast. So if, if that's the case, if you're going to get beaten by, or if you know your opposition winger has your has you for pace, he needs to work on his positioning a little bit better. Maybe he needs to get a little bit deeper. I think in his mind, perhaps, 
and maybe this is just an ego thing. In, in fact, I'll think of Patrice Evra. I actually don't think Evra was the quickest of left backs, but what he did do really well, good on the ball, good dribbler, but he learned to position himself well. So if he knew a player had him for pace, he knew to back off that little bit, whereas I think Malassia is still trying to work that out. So again, young player, he's 22 years of age. I'm sure he'll get there with time. Uh, but Tom, it is time for three, two months. So, I mean, I think it's a pretty obvious one. Who gets your three points here? Well, I don't know if this is obvious. The, my, I definitely have three names which are obvious names, and they're three which I won't leave this podcast without each of them getting a point. The order, though, flip them up. The, th- the three names, Marcus Rashford, Rafael Varane, and David De Gea. We haven't mentioned David De Gea. Uh, I thought Overrun. in terms of um, sort of match-winning performances, in terms of keeping us in the game, big saves. So ultimately, in the way we value these three points, so pivotal, um, so pivotal to the victory. Marcus Rashford, the winning goal, but maybe Trump's it, but the best player on the pitch for me was Rafael Varane. He had a lot to do. He had a lot to do in terms of defending crosses and sort of leading that back four and very inexperienced back four. One Saga hasn't been playing. Luke Shaw's not a centre back, and Malassia maybe struggling a little bit on the left. And, um, yeah, I thought Rafael Varane was, I don't want to say best player because, obviously, we, we look at footballers in terms of on the ball. We don't see that from defenders, so not the best footballer. But in terms of performance, I thought Rafael Varane, one of his sort of most accomplished, most sort of important performances for United. So, in regards to the balance of play, I do look at Varane, but the importance of David De Gea and Marcus Rashford at the business ends of the pitch, um, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, that's a really good point you make. And, uh I always like to throw this question to you, and, and anyone who watches us is probably sick of me saying this, but let's look at it this way. Rashford comes on, gets the game to 1-0. If Rafael Varane isn't on the pitch, do United I don't think so. I, I think he was brilliant. I think people should go back and watch how some of the things Rafael Varane was doing, both in the air and on the ground. In terms of you can see that, I always have a sort of a bit of a debate with people. How can you tell if someone's talking or what, how they're leading? You don't know. He might say Luke Shaw, step up. But we don't see that. Like you can't hear that on the camera sort of thing. So you mm. don't know, is Luke Shaw listening to him or not listening? But you could, you could feel that Rafael Varane was leading that back four. Uh, whether he was or wasn't, it definitely had that feel. And obviously a clean sheet away at Wolves, uh, the evidence would suggest he did. So um, He's also playing with Wan-Bissaka, who hasn't played a lot of football. He's got a left-back next to him at centre-back, and he's got Malassia on the left, who's a young player. So, I, look, I'm all for giving three points to Rafael Varane, to be honest. I think when you I look at was. what's around him, and then... Let's let's flip it around. If Varane doesn't play and Maguire plays, is it yeah. a different result? So I think, or Lindelof, in fact. So, you know, I'm with you. I'm happy to give Varane the three points. I think that's really valid. If Varane's getting three points, ultimately then, okay, business ends of the pitch, De Gea or Rashford. De Gea was crucial. I say Rashford. Yeah, it has to be Rashford, think... the goal. It changed the game. Obviously, when it was one, or when it was nil-nil. And Tommy should Rashford. have had a double. I, I, the, the hand call was a bit dubious yeah. for me. I would have well, we should him. have had a penalty as well, but before that yeah. for a handball. But yeah. Um, yeah, Rashford ultimately came on and changed there. And when Rashford was on, we are always going to win 1-0. You had a feeling he was going to score a goal. It wasn't all the hope Marcus Rashford's going to score. I was very confident, ultimately. Um, fair play to him for that and took his goal well and a match-winning goal. So I'm definitely going for three points, Rashford for two, and David De Gea stepped up big. So I'm going to give him the single point. Yeah, Rafael Varane, three, man of the match performance, leader, legend. That guy could be captain. If you gave him the unbanned tomorrow, you would not notice a difference. There'd be no criticism whatsoever. Marcus Rashford, two points. He should have had two goals, but again, a positive impact. And one point, the number one, the man between the posts, David De Gea, and that sees out three, two, ones. Tom, the football doesn't stop. Uh, United got another game against Bournemouth midweek. It's going to be a difficult game again. 
Um, do, do you expect much rotation? And the, the final question I want to put to you, I mean, we'll obviously do a preview, but are you concerned with the lack of options up front? I think Martial, not it, it was, poor, it was but high, just yeah. really struggled. Yeah, it was so, high so what does he do there? Yeah, I was thinking that in regards to Anthony Martial. Yeah, he had a poor game, but it wasn't a, a criticism of poor game. Just sometimes strikers have an off day. Didn't get involved, happens, did he? But when that happens, okay, bring your next striker on. There was no next right. Okay, Marcus Rashford came on and get, got the goal, but he didn't come on and play that sort of centre-forward no. role. So it definitely highlighted the issue for me. If your striker's having an off day, yeah, where's that player off the bench? And we don't have that at the moment. So that's not a criticism of Martial. While he did have a poor game, um, yeah, Eric Ten Hag needs to be able to turn to the bench, and he can't do that at the moment in regards to that centre-forward position. So, um, yeah, definitely, which I'm sure we're going to be debating every day in January in regards to who's this striker that's going to come in. Eric Ten Hag obviously wants one. Do the club want want one? Well, do the club want to spend on one? It's going to be yeah, Felix. I can feel it in my bones. He I, needs I, to. I, 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 whether I don't you agree with this. that or not, I think that's what's going to happen. He needs. If, I, if I'm Joel Felix, I hate this, and we haven't even mentioned their name in this podcast. You go to Arsenal now. Arsenal for me, are title favourites. I, I think the ball's in their court. Maybe we can. Uh, maybe we can do a video uh, deliberating but, but, that but a little bit. Is, what a signing that is for Arsenal in terms of the way they play as well. In terms of Joel Felix coming in now into um, Gabriel Jesus, I think it's a no-brainer. Now, look at the moment. I'd like they you know come to Manchester United, of course. But if I'm Joel Felix, you go to Arsenal now. I think that uh, their favourite. That's not putting pressure on them, so I can laugh if they bottle the league because they bottle the league. That means City win three leagues in a row, which I'm not happy with. But I think Arsenal big favourites now. Interesting, interesting thoughts, but we will leave it there. We leave it with United in the top four to start 2023, which is a, a fantastic result. And got to say, Newcastle have a game in hand. Sorry, we have a game in hand over Newcastle. If we win our game in hand, we go to third. So United are in a good position. And, next uh, and hopefully Arsenal it themselves. can continue. Their next Sorry? Game Newcastle and Arsenal's up next as well. Exactly. So uh, a massive opportunity for United to really cement their position in that top four. But if you have enjoyed that video, make sure you leave your comments in. Do you agree with our three two ones? Once again for you, Raphael Varane with three, Rashford two, David De Gea for one. Do you agree with me and Tom's thoughts on the three two ones? Do you think it should have been Rashford for his contribution and impact? Let us know your thoughts. Make sure you hit a like on the video and do subscribe. Lots of content coming your way. We'll have the Bournemouth preview for you. We will have the, we have match reviews every single game, so that will be there. And we've got lots of cool content coming your way, maybe a guest or two. You'll need to stay tuned for that. But make sure you do subscribe so you can make sure you're tuned in for any developments. And, Tom, I hope you have a happy start to the new year, mate, and uh, I'll catch you soon in a little bit. All good, mate. All good.